Hey, Pepin. Yo, yo. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about um, death. Oh, death. Like uh, the Grim Reaper? Like when people are alive, alive, living alive and then they're not. Isn't that kind of the same thing? Yeah. Oh. Well, That's what I've been thinking about. It's like that song from Pink Floyd, like uh, Another Day Closer to Death. Or, or like Iron oh, Maiden. Oh, is that time? Yeah, I think it, yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, or like dun, Iron dun. Maiden? Yeah, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden has a song. Uh, it's like as soon as you're born, you're dying. Oh, wow. That's really deep. It's also like um, My Chemical Romance when they say love is a red rose on your coffin door. Is, is that true, though? Yeah, absolutely. Love is like that. You know what? I think we just need to talk. Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with my best friend, Nathan Pepin. How's it going, Pepin? Yo, yo, I am here. I'm ready to talk about uh, the D-Word. All right, and I am here with Brian the D-Word. How's it going, Brian? I'm back. I'm so good. You're my brother, and I'm happy to have you. (laughs) Now everybody knows the status. Is this sarcasm? No. Oh. He's my brother. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I was talking about the happy to happy part. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. So we're here today talking about a, probably the heaviest topic we've ever talked about. We talked about euthanasia once, and I think there was only one dick joke. And that one was super, super heavy. And now we're talking about the same thing plus one. We're talking about death itself, which euthanasia is just a little part of. So, Nathan... Yes. What comes after death? Um. What is that? Ex- what is the the experience of the user post mortem? There is no experience. Ah. So what is that like? So it's like before you were alive. Like. Ah yes, I remember it fondly. Yeah. It's it's not. That's time of my life. See, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Because it's like people have this idea that, you know, oh, it's okay to die because, you know, I didn't exist before and I was fine with that. It's like, well, no, you weren't fine with it. Like, all you've known is existence. It's not like you were existing in a non-existing kind of state. It's like non-existence was your state. Like, and the only thing you've ever experienced is existence. So exist, like, it's not existence, no consciousness, no nothing. It's just kind of you're escaped from the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brian. Yes. What are your thoughts on death? Are you a fan? Oh, the biggest fan. Uh, there's so many thoughts to have on death. You need to be careful when rolling your eyes that they don't fall out. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> that was an aggressive I'm the rolling. Of biggest the eyes. fan. No, seriously. <laughs> okay. I don't know so tell me about tell me about it. You're wearing all black today. Is that a statement about death? Uh, no, it's just me. Are you a goth? <laughs> no, no, I'm not goth. Okay. I don't know. It's just, it's it's there. It's always there. Always has been. Always will be. Okay. Okay. So death surrounds us. Of course. Is that is that the name of a, like a Metallica cover band? Trying this cover band game. Death surrounds us. Dun dun dun. Death is here. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, we just wrote a hit song. That's like number one on the rock we charts. Gotta get into the studio. All right, let's get the Nate. Get the get the instruments passed around. Let's write this song right now. <laughs> Bang out a tune. So death. Mm-hmm. Steve, what is your thoughts about death? Um, it's it's shitty. I think it's incomprehensible. Um, it's it, it, completely impossible to even consider. And I think it's impossible to really wrap your head around the fact that we're mortal and that we will die. Like you can, you can think you are like you get it and you're you're good and you're living that way. But like, are are you? I, I would argue that it's it's near impossible, if not impossible, to actually come to terms with your own mortality. I think a lot of people brush it off in a way, like they try not to think about it, mm-hmm. and they have a way of coping. And they think that way of coping actually is, like, the answer to, like, like the question of death. Like, I know I'm going to die. I've accepted my death. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I, I think you haven't accepted it, or I don't think you're really understanding it. I mean, maybe they are in some ways. But I, 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 was, I think it's like, I don't know. I think it's the way of coping with the inability to kind of understand it. I, I think it's also, like, it's similar to, like, the universe in a way. Because the fucking universe is huge. Like, it's unfathomable how far it is here from here to the moon. And from here to the sun. And from the sun to another galaxy. Then those galaxies all clustering around other galaxies. And just the vastness of space. That's incomprehensible. Like an ant, it's impossible for them, an ant, to imagine the size of the world. Right. And also even conceive of it. So there's four-dimensional space-time, which is a thing. Gravitational waves. All these kind of weird things. Quantum physics. And it's just, like, life is a concept. There's no thing, at least from my philosophical point of view, there's nothing added to matter that makes it life. Life is, like, a result of physics. Now that life can have, like, an effect onto the world through various mechanisms, such as cognition, like we're able to do. But it's like... The universe does not see de- uh, life or death as being things. It's just matter. It's just stuff. I think that's a controversial statement to make that there's nothing added to uh, a, a being that makes it alive versus dead, and it's all physics. I will agree it's a controversial statement, but mm-hmm. it's a statement I wish to back up if if uh, able. We, we may get to the point where you need to back it up. I want to hear Brian's opinion on that. Is life, because when we're talking about death, we have to talk about life because death is is the, the ending of that. So is there something more to life than just the physics and the, the, the molecules that make up, the atoms that make up a, a thing that is alive? It, it might be easier to talk in, in specifics of, like, let's say a human. Is there something more to a human than just the atoms and the physics? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because there very well could be. Like, literally, pretty much literally anything is impossible or is possible. So it's difficult to say one thing is definite and Nate, one thing is Nate, stealing your title. Wishy-washy. Mm. <laughs> well, I just mean, like, literally, like... You're making a good point. I always know. see... I always think about it as... I do, firmly do not believe in a god. <laughs> not to get so controversial. But... It honestly is entirely possible that I'm extremely wrong and there is a God and you'll never know. Like Mm -hmm. you will literally never know. So it's... We've... Last time when we tried to talk about the universe, it turned into me explaining my 
belief system. That was like episode like three. Yeah. So I want to do our best, as best as we can, to not deep dive into right. into God. I get that. But I think it's a very important thing to bring up in a situation like this because one of the biggest reasons that a lot of people believe in God is because it gives them solace in the inevitability of death and it gives them a way to cope yeah yeah it kind of solves the issue like uh i'm gonna die and it's like oh no i'm not i'll still be reborn in some kind of life like like even if it's like hell it still solves that problem because you're still gonna exist it's it's just in a terrible state you know it's maybe a state you don't want to exist in but it's just still like non-existence isn't a thing that's really there though to be clear, it's I think it's there in uh, Judaism, like there is a thing where people will go into non-existence if they are bad or something. I forget how it works exactly. Yeah, I'm sure it's in many religions. I, I can think of a couple others that it, it's definitely in. Um, and there's purgatory, which is like the waiting period before the souls can cross. There's tons of other things. Um, but as far as uh, solving the problem of of dealing with death as a an actuality uh, religion's a, a great way to do that and but i think that there's there's a lot of other coping mechanisms can what are what are you guys's coping mechanisms to to the idea of death i know i just don't do my best to not think about it shit happens uh i kind of panic sometimes when i start thinking about death is because it for me this is where the problem is I would like to live forever, like not not really. So this is this is the catch twenty two. So let's say that the problem to uh, death is to live forever. Well, forever is a long time. I mean, it's like a million years. Let's say two hundred years. That's a lot. Uh, Three hundred years. That's a lot. A thousand years. That's a lot. A million. That's a lot. A billion trillion Nate, goes it's, on. It's not going to get any less <laughs> if it's a lot at a hundred. <laughs> so that's a lot. <laughs> It's still going to be a lot of problems. Resilient, that's a lot. I, I understand your point. Go on. So it, it's like, okay, so the problem, so the solution to that is to just live forever. No, it's not, because I would not want to live forever. Mm-hmm. No one wants to live forever. Hell no. So th- that's not the solution there. Um, the solution is obviously not to die sooner, because that's also terrible. So there's, there's no real solution to the problem. I mean, death's just going to suck. Uh, I suppose the only answer that could be given would be, dying when i choose Mm -hmm. so maybe i get to a couple thousand years let's say hypothetically i don't know what the fewer figure would Mm -hmm. be let's say hypothetically a couple thousand years i'm like you know non-existing sounds good now i can just like peace out i mean maybe that's it that that's the only solution i can find to the conundrum because the conundrum is i mean sucks to be like contemplate non-existence but it's it's like non-existence versus existence forever I mean that's also horrifying and ter- you know no it's just no no easy solution there. It's intense. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I don't really cope very well. Um, some people like tell me, like like we were talking about earlier, like uh, it's just like you were like before you were born, and it's like I don't know what it was like before I was born. That that's nothing. I've only experienced what I've experienced. Well, what it was like before you were born. That I think that's their point. Like you don't know what it was like before you were born. It was it was nothingness because you weren't you didn't exist yet. So it's that. <laughs> it's not existing yet. 
Yeah, but that's not an experience I had. That's not built into my experience. Exactly. And it, it, that's their, that's the point. But they're, they're saying it as if it's like some sort of comforting thing. It's not. I mean, not for me. Oh, no. Uh, maybe. Maybe for those who are saying it, like, is it, maybe it is comforting to some people. Yeah. I think it's the closest you can come to imagining what it's like because you can't imagine what it was like before you were born. You can't imagine what it was, what it will be like when you have died. So it's like, it's like this other impossible to imagine thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the female orgasm. Um, just like it. <laughs> I mean, females can actually have two kinds of orgasms. They can have a vaginal or a clitoris, like a clitoral orgasm. Ooh. What about the anal orgasm? Uh, so that is often a, a vaginal orgasm because it's – I mean, it can be clitoral too because sometimes, like, let's say they're getting fucked from behind. It sometimes stimulates the G-spot a bit from inside the anal cavity. But then sometimes people just have, like, a little tight, like, a vagina – and it kind of pulls on the quit in a kind of way that actually gets them off. Oh. Well, now Love we know. <laughs> Love that. All the different types of orgasms that women have. That does actually lead to an awkward segue here. Okay. Because as far as, like, coping mechanisms, there is media and art, which is a big coping mechanism that people experience it a lot. It's, like, I think it's one reason why we watch a lot of, like, things with death. I watch a lot of things with death, like Game of Thrones and uh, different titles. And you add some realism in there, and it kind of, like, gets you kind of thinking about those things and contemplating. But a major theme in movies I didn't catch, like, I didn't pick up on, but, like, everywhere, is there is some sort of, like, disaster. It's, it's always something, like, bad happens, and people start dying. And then love interest A, love interest B, or let's say just two people, they don't seem like they're likely couples. They probably shouldn't be couples. They're fighting and stuff. But they end up... Uh, you know, getting together during the movie and fucking and then having a child. And, you know, towards the end, it's always revealed, oh, the wife's pregnant or the girl's pregnant, blah, 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 blah. Life and death. And, or right when they get to Herschel's farm. Yeah. But that's, it's like a meta kind of story there, a meta narrative that it's, it's, the message is in the face of death that you should kind of reproduce. And that's kind of, I think that hits people on like an instinctual level where it's not even like a blatant thing. I don't think it's people being being conscious when they're writing that so like jurassic park was like that how many how many people do you think if you asked a a group of a hundred people what would you do if you had five minutes left if the world had five minutes left to exist how many of them do you think would say have sex with the person nearest to me um i would i'd say it'd probably be like 90 plus percent Mm, probably i don't know and i think that's just check off i think that's an instinctual thing um, yeah, that happened in in Hawaii. The there was a there was a, um, a a siren that went off that meant that a nuclear bomb was going to hit Hawaii, and the spike on Pornhub was like astronomical. Horn, Pornhub reported that like almost the entire island was on Pornhub. Want to die busting a nut? <laughs> so pretty much the instinct of a human of a human of a living thing when faced with death is to try and create life as so that there's as much of a chance of forward life as possible to help continue the meme of, of humans. The meme of humans. That's so true. I saw this picture on Twitter a while ago of, um, it's a, like a mummified corpse from Pompeii and it was of a guy like, what looks like he was beaten off before he died. And it's, it just further cements that, that that's cement, cement just cement, that? literally yeah. cements it. <laughs> mummifies it. <laughs> mummified that mummified, beaten. there's actually a weird thing with that too um so 
you guys heard about the what's it called the let's just call it the death reflex i forget what it's called but when you die you often like uh jizz like 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 you often defecate but you also often jizz i've never heard that i know that the nope. defecation thing yeah i've heard i've heard your bowels releasing because your entire body goes goes weak but you feel euphoria before you die is that why you ejaculate people will get erections and stuff and uh there's a there's an evolutionary scientist his name is uh, brett weinstein he's on the joe rogan show and he was kind of talking about a hypothesis about that. So the idea is, let's say that there's like two tribes way back in the day. And uh, let's say that uh, tribe A attacks tribe B. But in tribe B, let's say John and Susie are uh, having sex. And let's say they come in and they, uh, they kill John like right on the spot before he has a chance to you know, you know, get, get out of her or anything. Uh, that might trigger the, the response to ejaculate. And then it might get Susie pregnant. And then Susie will have John's child at some later point. And the idea is not that it's like advantageous, but it's been advantageous to some degree with people you know, dying and ejaculating that it's impregnated some woman, which has passed along that trait to be successful. I don't know. I feel like it would have more of a biological function than that. Like, like um, how you would release your bowels because you don't have the tension anymore in your muscles to be able to hold them in. Um, that it would be something more similar to that. I, I feel like I don't I don't know. I'm no science science major. At least with the ejaculation, so it could have started as something which was uh, accidental in that kind of way. But then, since more, so let's say it's the first time, a couple times it happened, it was accidental where someone uh, died during copulation, and they uh, you know ejaculated at the same time. Uh, when that happens over over time, it makes it more prone to happen again. So it, maybe it's not designed for that p- purpose particularly, but there's nothing weeding it out, and maybe there's something enhancing it slightly, and then it becomes a, it becomes a thing because that that is a weird thing. I'm not sure about the bowels though. It's, yeah, definitely like just relaxing, I guess. Mm. But maybe it's the same way to like ejaculation. But there's nothing stopping it. Uh, one thing that scares me about death, I mean, somewhat related to that, is evolution does not. I mean. I have to check here. Brian, are you an evolution believer person? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. It's a thing. And Steve knows my views about evolution. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of Steve's views. Uh, and evolution does not program for, like, nice deaths. Like, like, there's nothing that makes you die early. I mean, besides... Wait, what? If you're suffering, if, if let's say you are suffering, right, uh, and... And you're gonna have like a painful death. What about shock? Shock is a way to keep you alive. So you go into shock because it's like fight or flight in a kind of way. But mm-hmm. you go into shock that way you don't do much. You you kind of you kind of stop operating, and this allows you to avoid certain things. There's, there's an argument, let's say, that there's a lion that attacks you, and then if you go into shock, maybe the lion will stop attacking because it thinks you're dead, and maybe bad meat. There's three different arguments there, which. Like they're not like the best arguments, but I've heard them. But it, it plays some sort of role in dealing with uh, attacks or disaster, pain, and, and and pain. I thought you can die from experiencing too much pain. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, you can. But there's nothing. It's not like that was programmed. It's not like you are dying because you're experiencing. It's not like your body says, "If I experience too much pain, I'm gonna kill myself." It's more like your body goes through much pain and stress that it kills, it, it, it dies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like, it's not like it's injecting. So you, you want a self-destruct button? Um, 
kind of not not really but it's it's like i just I'm reminded so of medieval times where like vlad the impaler was very much into impaling mm-hmm. and he would impale people in ways that were they would stay alive for three or four days mm-hmm. just, just slowly dying there's nothing that will make you die if there's nothing forcing you to die nate are you are you concerned about dracula uh, a little bit concerned, to be honest. I mean, he, he he hides out sometimes as a bat. He's out there. You know that's what Dracula is based on, right? Vlad the Impaler. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got that moniker. And I, I kind of love uh, some of the stuff which, like, ties that in. There's, like, some anime called Helsing, which does that. He's like he's like his name is uh Alicard, which is Dracula backwards. Yeah, that's an that's an old one. And that what usually was Dracula's son. Yeah. It was Alucard. And I'm not sure if there's like some sort of mythology with that. It's Japanese. But uh Alucard has all these different personalities. Like when he bites someone's blood, he absorbs their soul or something. And he also has like a Dracula inside of him. And the Dracula is like the original original like uh, person. And he he's like or they call him Vlad, I think, but you know, it's pretty pretty weird. But it's Yeah, that's cool. anime. <laughs> anime for you. I love anime. Hey. If you like this content, check out our friends at GNA Podcast. Find them in the description or on Facebook at GNA Podcast. You love them as much as we do. Yeah, I wish it was like Dragon Ball Z, where if you die, you, know, you can just gather the Dragon Balls and wish them back to life. How many fucking times did Goku die? Like, he had to die in order to save the world. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's like the Boo Saga. He came back from the dead to fight Boo, and that wasn't needed. Oh, the Boo Saga was amazing. I mm, love the Boo Saga. It went on for too long. Uh, I just like Boo. And how he was like this big fat thing. And yeah, he, he was a big pink fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't watch Dragon Ball Z, but I know who it is. Yeah, everyone knows Boo. Boo. Nate prefers the Frieza Saga. Oh, actually, I think my favorite saga is the Cell Saga. Yeah, yeah, Cell. And there's like certain like uh, elements of life and death with that as well, with... Um, androids and what it means to be a human and so on and so forth yeah like what it means to be alive yeah so at what point is a robot alive when it can when it can feel and express genuine human emotion and what does that mean yeah when it well when it advances so far that it can literally like feel and em- like the question there is the measurement of like feel or genuine like like how do we tell if something's a genuine emotion that's like, a very good point it, yeah. it, it can simulate it right right okay yeah mm-hmm. and well i mean so can so can humans they can simulate genuine emotion there are people who are um sociopaths who don't feel empathy but they can fake all these emotions very very well some would say better than people who are actually feeling them sociopaths yeah this is i'm gonna throw this out there and you guys tell me if you maybe this is a starting point yeah so let's say that there is a a program made let's say it does a super fancy computer and what it does is it scans somebody's brain maybe they're like their whole brain or maybe like everything that would be needed to simulate the person's brain and like in real time and they scan the brain to do the simulation and that simulation is running no, and let's say just for hypothetical reasons, it's it, it's accurate. It's, it's it, it works. Oh, I, I don't understand. What do you mean by they do the simulation? So, so they have like a layout of all the neurons. Yeah. And they can put inputs into it, say like the vision and stuff. Yeah. And they are running essentially. It's essentially it's a digital version of the brain, just running in real time, just like our brain would be running. 
Okay, so, so it's mirroring the electrochemical um, components of the brain. Then any sort of input that would be on a real person, it mirrors the same input on on the program. Yes, yes. So essentially, a digital uh, brain. Yeah, yeah, digital brain. Essentially, you could just imagine like it being in a chip, let's say. And let's say they connect that chip up to, like, say, some sort of a robot-type-looking thing, an and I don't know what we call it, an android. Yeah. But some, something mechanical, so they have eyes and all the normal stuff they can walk around in real life, then get vision from, vision sight, all of the senses. So, to me, that if that thing was literally simulating a brain, and it had access to stimuli, and was kind of acting ordinary in that kind of way, that would be... An example of a conscious, say, artificial, let's say artificial or say digital technology, which is conscious, capable of feeling emotion, thoughts, reason, all that sort of stuff. Because it is no different than a brain. It's just a different mechanism of acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would there be disagreement or agreement with that? Um, I, I disagree. Brian? I mean, I don't know. I guess it kind of goes into what I was saying, I guess, a bit about them feeling things. I don't know. Because it's, it's essentially, so essentially taking your brain, mm-hmm. taking your brain, everything that would be involved in you. And putting it into a machine. And yeah, so it, it's not, it's all digital components. It's like a central processor, RAM, and stuff like that. But it's doing all the same processes and doing everything which your brain would be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's imagine like a 3D model being like kind of done, and it's kind of figuring out how your neurons would fire, all the little chemicals and stuff that would be released, yeah. what's going into your body, coming out. And so it does all that kind of stuff and simulates it. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it's just your, your brain being simulated into a computer system instead of existing physically out here. You, you could argue it exists physically within like the electrons and the circuits and stuff, but you, you, you get what I mean. I just think there's an element to to life that has to do with starting from zero and becoming and, and working your way through. All you're doing is making a copy of real life. You're making a copy of something that has had time to mature and become a thing that it, it's not the same because it's it, it didn't it did, it's not genuine. It didn't. It wasn't create. It was created. It wasn't born. It wasn't. It didn't have to live through. You know, say thirty years to to become this thing that solidified these two neurons that connect. Because one time when I was six, I broke my leg. So now every time I go near a rock wall, which is where I broke my leg, I have I have a tingling in my leg, and that's why that neuron those neurons are connected. That's why that nerve feels that way. It's a copy of the real thing. It's certainly a copy, but it's a copy that would have all the same patterns and neurons and the same, it falls in the same lineage there. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's almost the same as... Uh, but it's not genuine. It didn't, it didn't, it, it cheated. It got a head start ahead of everything else. I mean, I, I can't disagree that it's not the original, but I wouldn't say it's not genuine because it's, it's still like a copy, a valid copy. And if there was... I mean, this goes into like another line here, where if you were to say have a molecule assembler, let's say molecule analyzer, so you can analyze all the molecules and say your body here, and then it finds all the positions, every little thing, and then there's another machine that will take that and reassemble all 
I'll say reassemble. So you're 3D printing a person. Yeah, 3D printing a person. On the molecular level. And it does it in such a way where it's not like a, a painful thing. It's, it's a pretty instant. Yeah. So that would create an exact copy of you with all the same memories, thoughts, feelings, emotions. It would be a different you because it would be a different consciousness because you wouldn't be both Steve's. It would be like a different instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they call it a different point of view self. But it would it'd be you and it'd just be a copy of you. Now, as far as I'm considered, if you showed up, let's say it was you or the copy of you, I wouldn't know the difference. If you guys deetered eventually, you know, in personality or, you know, what you did with your lives, I probably would be able to tell the difference there. But at least to begin with, if you're both the same, starting from the same point, no one can know the difference. I don't, I just don't, I don't think that that is the same type of life. I don't think, I think there's something just a little bit more that cr- that makes a life distinct from something that's created. I think be- something being born and something being created are very different things. Mm-hmm. Brian, would you agree with that distinction or would there be something else to add to that? No, I actually do agree with that distinction. It, it, make, it makes the most sense. Because like he said, like we brought up, it's, it not, it's not a genuine. Mm. It's just putting it into something. So this is just an area of disagreement with us then, which is not completely fine. Because from my point of view, it's like there is matter, and matter has no exact. It's like we divide matter up in our minds through our perceptual models. So we like, like there's nothing necessarily that separates this pizza box from just a pizza box right here, by the way. It's this pizza box from anything else besides how we perceive it, and it's our perceptual kind of models which kind of show some delineation. I mean, there's some good, say, physical reasons why we see this as separate because it acts in a way which is separate from, say, the air and the environment and the table it's sitting on and everything else. So, so there's, there's good perceptual models and reasons for that, why we have that perceptual, say, sense. But the idea that, for, for me, that's on a physical level, that physics would differentiate between one physical system, which is identically the same, from another. Like, there's, no, there's nothing, like, additive there. It's something that we are adding to via our perception and cognition. Uh, I want to... 100% logically agree with you. Mm. But my heart can't follow that. Oh, man. But Steve, I, I need your heart. Need I want your heart. But that's... that's uh, it, I don't... I, it makes logical sense. And what you're saying, like, I want to agree because mm. I think you're right in a pragmatic... on a pragmatic level. But there's something in my heart, in my mind, that won't 100% agree. I just think that there is something mm. that I can't quite explain properly that I can feel that is just makes the distinction just a little bit different to the point where the just those two words born and created are completely different beings. For me there's no necessary distinction in my mind, but that's just how my brain works. Uh, I will add a little caveat here, just, I mean, not really exactly connected to that, but a lot of people who take kind of similar position to me on these matters, they're also very much in the realm of uh, hard determinists. So that, in the sense of there's no something, there's no such thing as free will. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, more of a, what's called a compatibilist and meaning that, I mean, things are kind of deterministic in a way, but also that kind of uh, our own cognition and reason and something through the evolutionary process has given us what we can kind of ascribe to being free will and that 
like it's not like everything for me it's not everything's predetermined necessarily or in the sense that it is your mode of being and your thoughts and actions and what you precognate let's say i don't know i'm trying to make up words but what you think has an effect on the world it's not just like you in a back it's not just a vacuum around you causing all your actions to occur mm-hmm. so, so i'll have that little caveat there i'm not being i'm not a super hard determinist in that sense uh, i i could i have an easier time getting on the on the heads in the headspace of super hard determinists where they don't where everything is going to happen the way it's going to happen and realistically you have no free will over the over what we were talking about earlier and that doesn't make sense but it it does i i think that if i'm going to believe in free will then there's a difference between something that's a copy of me and me in a in a in a higher way than i can even explain but if i'm going the only way i can not believe that is if i believe that there is no such thing as free will and everything is 100 percent gravity and uh, physics forces working on physical molecules and if that's the case then we really all we are is a reaction on a physical a physics level and we have no actual free will. Yeah, th- that's the argument. Those are the those are the the two branches I tend to stray away from. I I want to believe free will, so that's what I believe. Yeah, well, there there are three branches really. There's there's the one that I try to say, which is the one that I'm more ascribed to, is the things are deterministic, but it doesn't mean that uh, you don't have a sense of free will, and there might be levels of freedom. But those freedom, like your acting within existence, is confined by physics, and at least as, you know, it's just a little quick argument here, and then I'll get Brian's take on free will. I, I think that concepts, perception, and cognition, they are kind of additive features in reality, such that not necessarily that they can change physical reality, like they like. Your thoughts aren't gonna like make things which are physically impossible happen, but it opens up a realm of possibilities, like of different hypothetical possibilities, which I don't think is something which had existed in the physical world prior. Now, people, you're in a hallway with fifty doors, and which door you choose determines which doors you get to choose in the future. Yeah, we could say an infinite amount of doors to some degree. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a finite right. level of yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. But the point remains. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. And I'd also argue that that uh, free will exists over time and not at any instantaneous moment, and especially over time, because uh, like there's the idea of let's say that someone like punches you, and you kind of like you know instantly just kind of like dodge or you punch them back or something. Like, did you have free will there? Well, no, it's just like an automatic response. Mm-hmm. But that's looking at it on like a very, very uh, quick scale. And that's not really your cognition or reason or perceptual ability. I mean, you could say perceptual ability, but it's not really your cognition kind of interacting at that point. It's just race reflexes. But if you look over at a person, say over a course of a couple of years or their whole life, you can see their cognition, say their free will kind of acting upon that. Or maybe you can see them just falling into their uh, their habits and uh, in, in their ways and maybe not having free will, being constrained by that. Uh, Brian, it's yes. a heavy thought, heavy thought here. It's a very heavy thought. There's a lot to, a lot there to unpack. 
what what are your thoughts on free will? Like, what was your belief with that? Well, I mean, we all have like a conscience, and it's all something that, like, we choose to do what we do. But there is also that aspect of this could all be predetermined, and I can see how some people find a comfort in that. But it's free will. I don't know. <laughs> I have nothing to add, like intellectually, to this. Do you think that? the choices people make in what they believe is for is always for comfort no not necessarily because a lot of the time choices you make are not comfortable mm-hmm. so it's choices that you need to make uh, to progress maybe less choices and more beliefs like right. do you think that people who believe in in free will believe so because that's what what they feel most comfortable with or that's what yeah. what makes them feel good and people who believe in you know predetermination believe in that because that's what makes them feel comfortable feel good totally or do you think that there are other things that go into that decision making process well no i mean because you can believe in the predetermined path and that's there's the comfort in that because it's like oh it's all just going to pan out this way like i'm just going to sit back and let life be life and then there's the free will aspect where it's like you can actively choose your path and choose where to go with this and do your own shit if you if you are a collection, so at first I need to set the baseline. Do you guys, would you guys agree that you are a collection of all of your past experiences and your um, physical makeup of whatever your genes are, and that that makes up you as a person? Uh, yes, but I would also add that you have a consciousness which is also present and able to deter that at any. And what what is a consciousness? So it's the. You could, you could describe it as like the electrical impulses happening right now, which mm-hmm. come to some sort of decision, and that might deter from your present actions and past. And it, so you might make a decision which may not have been determined from the past. And that, that's where I think the will, free will co- aspect comes in. Anything that currently exists has to have come from the past to get to where it's at. So if you were able to stop time at any given moment, what you as a physical makeup, what you as a as a being would be would be all past experiences and everything that's going on in your brain and whatever genes you're given. So So your consciousness would be frozen in place, maybe halfway through connecting neurons, but it would be frozen in place and would be a makeup of everything that happened before. So this is where it gets complicated here because your consciousness, this this is like my own kind of uh, take on it. Your consciousness does not exist at any given second because consciousness is a concept that doesn't actually, it's, it's a way of describing something, but there's nothing in your brain that's just like a conscious thing. Rather, you it's something that's measured over time. To see if someone has some sort of, uh, is capable of making some choice or kind of making some kind of cal- calculation, you have to look at that over a period of time, say, you know, say one second, three seconds, five seconds, a minute. It, it's not something which is just exists because. So you're saying consciousness is a measurement tool? It, it's a measurement. Everything is a measurement. It's a way of measuring something. And what you're measuring is, say, cognition. So in a similar way, uh, if you do something with a calculator and you, uh, say, add 5 times 262,000.551, right? So by the time you, you know, enter that calculation in and press the enter button, uh, if you ask, you know, you press the enter button, you can ask, where's that calculation? You know, there's all these electrical wiring and firings going on. So where's the calculation? Well, the calculation is occurring. It's a process. And there's an end result, and that's the end result is, say, the result of that process. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's no thing, such thing as called a calculation. Calculation is what the process is. Mm-hmm. And the result of the process is consciousness. Mm-hmm. And consciousness is a 
multitude of calculations and mathematical things and I don't know, I, whole... I, i'm i'm gonna argue that in this instance consciousness is a fallacy because the the argument would be that it, everything that's happened to you before um it makes up who you are and what decisions you will make in the future it influences them heavily and then outside stimuli plays a role in what decision you make so we're talking past experiences we're talking nature your your physical makeup as a being and we're talking outside stimuli are what make up the determining factors on what a decision what decision you make and those three things combined are what we're calling a consciousness that decides to make a decision and that those things are not something that you yourself have a choice over and therefore you don't have a choice because all of these things will always result if you are given if we rerun the same tape over and over and over of you play of you making a decision you will always make the same decision so, so there's if a, given the same set of circumstances so, so there's a lot there and i, I would I add again that i am arguing that there's an evolutionary process which has created something which is a physical system it's created a particular physical system which is capable of doing things which are not necessarily on the same path of the the past actions and past behaviors and does not violate physics but in this this main mechanism through which it's acting are concepts and concepts are a added level of perception and that yes it is true that if you had the same exact simulation that there would be no difference and this is kind of the point with the clone that it would be the same as that consciousness but does that mean that that copy of the consciousness did not have a sense of cognition perception and say an ability to choose between a number of different actions during that actual moment of choosing now, if this, all the circumstances were the same, it would choose the same. Because otherwise, you'd be saying essentially a probability thing. Let's say there's with the 50 door analogy. Let's say that we had a uh, hundred different simulations running of an individual who was in some in situation A, and let's say there's 50 different yeah 50 different doors, and you have 100 people. You know, probably about two will choose each door. You know, let's say it just it works out that way statistically. Like, like that's not exactly free will there. Free will is the process of choosing to choose a door. It, it's it's the cognition and factors in there. And that gets into complicated kind of definitions. But my, my views on this are very technical, which I apologize I, I for. Just, I just don't agree because I think that if you create an exact copy of somebody in one room over and they're exactly identical rooms and you tell them both to pick from a plate of 50 uh, different – there's a French fry on each plate – and that the two of them, if they're exact mirror copies and the copy is created at the exact same moment, then those two are going to make the same exact decision because they're facing the same exact circumstances with the same exact previous experiences. There's no way that the, the anything is, there's no difference. It might as well be the same person just doing the, it might as well be one person doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's no disagreement with there that the things that that decision would be, you know, say, predetermined. And there's no argument, as, or there's no, like, a disagreement that things wouldn't be considered predetermined, but the, the disagreement is in that things, things are predetermined, that there's not a role of cognition and, say, will of, of, say, 
it's not just the environment coming in, but it's also the person, the the uh, neurons kind of doing a, we call it a, a loop on themselves. But, so, But I'm, my argument is that the neurons doing a loop on themselves is just like the there's the outside stimuli and then there's also everything that's happened before that's brought you to the exact moment that you're at, that's brought your neurons to be exactly where they are, that causes them to fire forward, that causes you to move forward. Yeah. And that all starts in a place that you don't have control over. Yeah. Before you have memory, you're doing these things. And then, so you don't have control and then all of a sudden you get control. And at that point, you're already at a point where if you were a mirror of yourself, you would always make the same, same decisions. So if you're always, if you would always make the same decisions in the same circumstances, then you never really had a choice in the first place. Well, that's what you were always going to do. So this is coming down to like a, like a technical discussion. It always does, Nathan. I mean, because for, for, for me, I'm saying... I mean, you're you're making the argument that if there is only one, so this is this is what uh, is like the one kind of path or one timeline. Mm-hmm. So if there's only one timeline, there's no choice within that timeline. Mm-hmm. And if there's no choice, so if there's only one single timeline, say for all existence, then there's no choice on that timeline. Right. Now, what I'm arguing is that you know you could say in a sense that the timeline is being created as it kind of comes through, and even even then, if it's not, it's still Fit the, you can still talk about the compatibilist mindset because, or not mindset, the compatibilist kind of argument because the question's not about what happens in that timeline and how it, it, it occurs, but also what was involved in certain things happening in the timeline. And this event occurring on this instance is a result of, say, cognition, of, say, what I would you know, describe as free will. And I'm not going to be able to make the, like, the full case here but there being a single timeline and things being determined does not contradict my point necessarily. And I, I wouldn't argue that people would have different reactions, and especially the French fry one. So we'd see divergence most likely over time. But the, the argument would be, especially with smaller actions, like, yes, they would be exactly the same, of course, because choosing a French fry is not really an action of free will or not. Divergence over time is what... I'm arguing you're calling free will. So I'm not arguing that divergence over time is occurring. I'm rather I'm saying that divergence over time would occur if you have two clones in that instance. I'm saying divergence divergence over time is free will. That's that's what we what people consider free will. That that's what some people consider free will. Not my argument though. I I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't understand your argument then because I I think that. If, if there's one timeline, then even if it's being created as it goes, if you had a computer powerful enough to simulate it, you could pre-simulate what's going to happen. So if you can pre-simulate what's going to happen, then it's already happened in a way because you know it's going to happen. But I, see, I don't know why that matters that things are predetermined, though. Because I mean, if I, it's I, predetermined, then you don't have a choice. So you're always going to make that choice, and if you're always going to make that choice, then there was no choice to begin with. So I, I don't quite exactly because I'm not saying that if there's one timeline that the if the, like like okay, I'll say there's no choice if that's like the appropriate like nomenclature. But that to me, that's not exactly free will. They're being. For me, free will is the measurement of, say, cognition and things which are happening. It, it's it's the ability to make, say, a choice which diverts from the predetermined. Not honestly predetermined, because I want to, like, like I need like more of a 
more of a structure to actually lay this out because the wording is very careful because this is where there's actually a book written. I haven't read it, but I heard an interview with it. And the topic of free will is really hard to talk about because our nomenclature and the way we speak about, say, freedom, will, predetermination, and all that sort of stuff, is it's very wrapped up in stuff. So it's very hard to talk about this without either being really, really technical and getting things confused. So, so this is somewhat we're, we're experiencing here. Do all living things have free will? No. God, no. I mean... You can even argue that people don't have free will, a lot of people, because a lot of people, they are, say, products of their environment. They don't do anything, which will, they're essentially just biological functioning machines. Now, the measurement of free will would be something over time, most likely long time, because that's where you'd measure, say, the effects of cognition, reason, rationality, of the ability to generate new ideas, which were not in the pre-existing, say, uh, possibilities. It's generating new possibilities from old ones. Now, you could say, ultimately, if you could simulate the whole universe and kind of go through, there'd be a single timeline and all that would be included, which is true. But the measurement is, did that person have a thought, a cognition, a think something which was within them and self-directed, which created that? And to me, the answer is yes. And that is free will. It's a thinker. That makes a lot, that makes a lot more sense explained that way. So, so free will would be the, would come from within yourself. And that is part of the aspect of what creates the decision. Yes. Yes. And you wouldn't be able to look at it at any instant because decisions mm-hmm. are not an instantaneous thing. It's like so, the calculator example. So we are disagreeing about definitions. I mean, the, the, every I think every disagreement we've ever had in our entire life, Nathan, is about definitions. I mean, we, we probably this, this is the whole argument of free will, though. This is the whole. I mean, it's not just us. This is like philosophers and mm-hmm. uh, everyone who talks about free will. It's it's a, it's a definitional argument. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there. I mean, I read about one guy who said that uh, free will doesn't exist because c- kind of like you were saying, with there's a single timeline, right? Mm-hmm. So either a single timeline. Or there's that probabilistic timeline, right? So there is maybe 50 different timelines you could go through. Like, say, there's 50 different decisions you can make. And so it's just a probability. Just flip up a, flip up a coin, which one you go down. Or there is infinite timelines, right? In which case, you know, is it really free will if it's, you know, there's an infinite use choosing which one. That's still just a flip of the coin. But exactly what I'm saying is uh, it's not a probability matter. It's more of a matter of what makes up such a decision. We're going to put free will up on the We Need to Talk Studios board. And we're going to come back to this one. I want to know if if free will existed and you could choose how you die. Not in like a suicide type way, but like in a... The way you were talking about earlier, Nate, the the ultimate, you know, you get to live as long as you want. And then when you want to go, you get to choose how you die. How would you want to die? Uh, probably probably injecting myself with something. I mean, at the, at the end. Something. That's just uh, some heroin. Great pop. Uh, great pop. I mean, I want to maintain my cognition on the way out. Um, I mean, if it was something that was quick, that might be fine. I don't want to, like, fade out because that's awkward. So, okay, so I, I love an answer. Inject myself with something. Something vague. So something that kills you instantly. Yeah, kind of. And oh. it, you're injected with it. Yeah, but I want to be aware I'm dying when I'm dying. I'm like, okay, this is death coming here now. 
So you want world. the experience of death, but you want it to be really fast and painless. I mean, it doesn't... I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I would be... I'm and you lo- want it to be in your blood. Yeah. I mean... Let me put it, put it this way. I would rather... I'd rather get into a car accident and be kind of have the lower half of me cut off than die in my sleep. What? <laughs> like, you're the only person. So you, like, bleed out, being completely bifurcated? But I would have to have some sort of, like, cognition during that, because I'd have to be like, okay. You'd be in so much pain, yeah. you wouldn't even be able to conceive the pain. Okay, but let's say that I could, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, uh, now you're in the most intense pain you've ever experienced fuck. in your life. I'd be like, Ugh. I mean, it's like that scene in Private Ryan where the guy gets yeah. blown up and he's—I don't know—but I want to be able to like look down and say, like, "Spoilers, yeah, Nate. This is this is this is dying. I'm dying here." World Assault War II Park. spoilers. I don't want to. Don't tell me. Don't tell me who won. I want to be surprised when I get to the end of World War II. The Nazis. <gasps> I knew it. They weren't even around that. That Hitler. My damn Hitler. Such a kooky character. Actually, no. Private Ryan was World War II. Yeah, that's what I said, World War II. Fuck, am I not even listening? That was the Normandy. Yep. Storming of Normandy. Yeah, it was, uh, Tom Hanks was there. <laughs> Storm in Normandy. Storm in Normandy, Tom Killing Hanks. Nazis. He did save Ryan, though, and his privates. Good. I'm glad. How many privates did he save? At least well, three. How, did How many they did he shave? Taste? Um? Um, probably quite a few. Okay. You do what you have Brian, to do. Brian, how about you? Uh, just a good old bullet to the fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> just get it over with. Yeah, okay. Good night. Okay, I, cha- good I, cha- I changed my method. Bullet to the head. Right, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with bullet to the head. <laughs> Brian's, though, not mine. Simple. Fuck. <laughs> good lord. Just and then it ricochets me. off the inside of your skull. It goes through mine. <laughs> through your eyeball. Through my, right through the Word. eyeball. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're all gonna die, you're gonna die, uh, let us know how you die on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash we need to talk show. Or our Twitter, at WNTT1. Um, if you're not gonna die, definitely donate to our Patreon for your whole life, your whole life. All 16 more minutes. You will have so much time. So donate to us and make money and make more money, more money. And we won't, we won't only be long for so long, but you will be around forever. And so will these recordings. So you can listen to them anytime, wherever you get your podcasts. I might suggest listennotes.com. It's a great way to find new podcasts or catch up with your favorites. You can pick and choose different and create your own manual playlist of, hey, maybe I want to listen to We Need to Talk and then I want to listen to uh, Shit Happens When You Party Naked after that and then uh, The Fish Nerds. All part of uh, Podcast NH. Yeah, I was listening to one interesting one about, like, uh, I don't know, something, something about some guy interviewing a chiropractor. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, at New Hampshire Business Podcast. Oh, New Hampshire. Where was that? New Hampshire is in the uh, northeast side uh, of the United States of America, which is a small little country in the east, if you're from China. <laughs> we have Chinese listeners, right? Yeah, tons of them. I love you, Chinese wrestler. Ni hao. <laughs> I love Wait, did you just <laughs> Chinese wrestlers? I, I said wrestlers, but but I was I was just mumbling. And then, uh, we we love you, Chinese listeners. Ni hao ma. Was that was that Japanese? Probably. Konnichiwa. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um. So you know, uh, we're talking about what was it suicide prevention? No, we're talking about well, dogs. Yes, or... if you you know if you're thinking about suicide, really think about it a couple times. 
and then rethink your decision get some help it's it's a very serious topic and um you know if you need to talk to to somebody i'm always here you're welcome to hit me up on facebook at we need to talk show um so sweet (laughs) so next episode or maybe not next episode but future episode free will yeah definitely do we have like the choice to do that though or is that predetermined nate we need to talk Hey, Peppin. Yo, yo. Do you usually subscribe to entire podcasts, or do you look for specific topics? Well, I try using the search function on my podcast player on my phone. It doesn't work too well. I try using Google. Google, it's not really set up for it, so I honestly have trouble. Why don't you just use Listen Notes? Listen Notes? What's that? It's a search engine for podcasts that doesn't just search for the terms you're looking for in the title of the episode or the title of the podcast, but from inside the episode itself. Meaning if you're looking for a specific topic, you can find specific podcast episodes that are about that topic. You know, that sounds a lot easier than spending the hours and hours I have just trying to find the exact right keywords to actually get it to bring up the episode. I mean, usually I just get like a million uh, how to start your own podcast articles. It's really annoying. So that sounds a lot better. Exactly. When you're looking for something to listen to, just go to listennotes.com, type in a topic you're interested in, and you'll get instant gratification, useful results. That's listennotes.com. Check it out now. Last time on We Did the Talk, drugs, ferrets, and a loving heart. Help, help! And was that Toto, the bird, walking through the looking glass? Help, I'm Toto, the bird looking through the looking glass. Now, find out on this epic conclusion of We Need to Talk, this episode's title, Death.